Welcome to a special episode of Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry focusing on God's unconditional love and grace. All this week, we're continuing to bring you highlights from the 2018 Healing is Here conference held at Andrews Karras Bible College in Woodland Park, Colorado. God has already given you the power that you need to be healed. You don't need God to give you something more. And now, here's Andrew. This week, we're going to be going to our Healing is Here conference that we did back in August of 2018, and we're going to be playing some of these programs. It'll be a little bit different than my normal program where I'm just sitting here teaching, but it was really powerful. We saw over a thousand people healed. We probably had 1,700 people that came to this conference, and it was really powerful. So watch this, open up your heart, and expect to receive from God. I want to turn over to John chapter 14 tonight, and I'm going to share with you just a small portion of a teaching. About 30 years ago, I came out with a teaching that I called the Christian Survival Kit. And um, I haven't taught on this very often because it's, there's 16 teachings in it. And so I don't ever hold a meeting that's 16 sessions long. And on television, uh, I usually go one week on one teaching. So to go 16 weeks on one subject, most people lose interest. So I don't teach on this very often. But this is one of the most important things that God showed me. And uh, if you watch that story about Gina Boop this morning, uh, one of the things that Bud said was that he had, he had heard me say that your first reaction pretty much dictates the, way, the outcome of things. And I got that from right here. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples the night before his crucifixion. John 14, 15, and 16 are all a message that he ministered to his disciples after the Lord's Supper before they went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed. And so it was just hours before he was going to be arrested and before he would be crucified the next day. And he was saying these things to prepare his disciples. Matter of fact, in the 16th chapter, in verse 1, he said, These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. So he spoke these things to prepare them for this crisis situation that they were going to be going through. And then the last verse of the 16th chapter, the last thing that's recorded here, it says, These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation like in the next 30 minutes. <laughs> in the world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. Remember the context of this. This is the night before he's crucified wow. and he's telling them, be of good cheer. Let not your heart be troubled. This is back to chapter 14, verse one. So here's how he spoke to his disciples the night before his crucifixion. They were going to see him arrested and of course, not only would Jesus' life be in jeopardy, but all of the people who followed Jesus were also going to be in the crosshairs and they were going to be coming after them. And so these guys were afraid. And it says that not only did Peter, but all of the disciples forsook him and fled. And so these guys were scared. And how is Jesus preparing them for this? Look at this in verse 1, John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. 
Did you know that today, if I wasn't reading this from scripture, if we weren't here at this conference, if I hadn't have introduced this the way that I had, if I was just with you when the doctor says you're going to die or whatever the crisis is that you're going through. And if I walked up and said, don't let your heart be troubled. I guarantee you the vast majority of Christianity would condemn me and say, you aren't being sensitive. You are asking people to do things that are wrong. And people today embrace their weaknesses. Not in the sense that when I'm weak, then I'm strong. God, I'm going to trust you. But they embrace their weaknesses and take glory in all of these kind of things and feel like, well, God, I'm only human. And we use this as an excuse for weakness. I'm not only human. One third of me is wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. I've been born again and I have the spirit of God living on the inside of me. These guys didn't even have the Holy Spirit. And yet Jesus is telling them, don't let your heart be troubled. By saying it the way he did, he's saying you have the ability to keep your heart from being troubled. And did you know, again, most Christians don't believe this. Most Christians, you've heard me say this a lot, but most Christians fall apart like a $2 suitcase when trouble hit knocks on their door and they embrace this. They let their emotions go wild. They vent and throw out all of their unbelief, speak all of this stuff. And then after they've just, you know, spiritually thrown up all over themselves and covered in all of their unbelief, then they go to God and, oh God, I'm going to trust you and believe you. But, I, but the very first thing you have to do, the first thing that Jesus told his disciples, don't let your heart be troubled. Amen. You do not let your heart be troubled. You have the ability to control your reactions. You know, I've got a teaching entitled Harnessing Your Emotions. And on the cover of it is a picture. It's a drawing of a guy riding a horse, but the horse is totally out of control. The saddle came loose. The saddle swung around on the underside of the horse. He's holding on around the horse's neck for dear life. The horse is totally out of control. And it says, harnessing your emotions. And the reason I use that is because I've had horses most of my life. And you know, I've learned about horses that if you let a horse get away from you and get into a run, you just might as well jump off unless you really know what you're doing. There's not much that you can do to turn a 1200 pound, a 2000 pound horse around and stop them. It is easy to stop a horse from getting out of control, but once you let it get out of control, you're in big trouble. My horses were always green broke because I didn't have time to read them, ride them very much. And I didn't have much time to work with them. And so they were, they were just half broke. And I remember a little seven-year-old boy came out and I just taught him a few things. What the Bible says, you put a bit in a horse's mouth. A horse can't do anything without its mouth. You know, if, if the horse wants to rear up, it can't rear up unless it throws its head back. So what you do is put a tie down on it, keep it from throwing its head back and it will never rear up on you. If a horse wants to get down and roll and try and get you off, all you got to do is watch it. And if it starts to put its head down, yank that bit up and keep its head up and a horse will never get down and roll on you. A horse can't run that direction with its head turned this direction. So it can't do it. I actually held a horse, a 1200 pound horse down on the ground one time with my foot on his head. 
A 1,200-pound horse, there's no way that physically I could do it except a horse has to throw its head up before it can get up. And you hold its foot, you put it, your foot on its head and hold its head down, it can't get up. You can control a 1,200-pound horse. This is all what James chapter 3 says. You put a bit in a horse's mouth and you control their whole body. So I taught this little kid that. He rode that horse for an hour and a half and the horse misbehaved some, but he just did what I told him and there was not a single problem. As soon as he got off, there was another guy that came with his son and his son was 22 years old and he had just been married and he was going to show his wife that he could ride. And I started to tell him the same stuff. Oh, I can handle it. Within five minutes, he was on his way to the hospital. <laughs> the same horse that had been ridden for an hour and a half by a seven-year-old, a 22-year-old couldn't handle it because he was uh, showing off and and let the horse get away. I the reason I bring that up is to say that if you will control a horse and the moment they start to do something, you deal with it, it's fine. But if you let a horse get away with stuff, you're in big trouble. Yeah. Now that may not relate to everybody, but to any of you that have ever had horses and stuff, that's true. And it's true of a lot of things. You know, when our son died, we got a call at 4.15 in the morning, told us that our son was dead. And... Uh, Jamie and I, because of this exact teaching, this is the exact words of Jesus that came to me, let not your heart be troubled. And most people would say, well, that's wrong. You would be in denial. You're in denial if you don't indulge. You just aren't being honest. No, you're being carnal is what you are when you go by how you feel. I'm not denying that I had all kinds of feelings come at me, but I am denying that all I am is a physical human being and I have to respond in grief and sorrow if something bad happens. I've got a spirit on the inside of me and the fruit of that spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. And it's producing that 100% of the time. And I don't care if I get news that somebody has died. I don't care if I get news that I'm gonna die. I don't care what the, what the world has to say. Jesus telling his disciples the night before his crucifixion, if there was ever a justification for people being upset, it should have been the disciples of Jesus. Matter of fact, many people would have argued and said, well, you didn't really love him if you, if you could just keep from being troubled. When you see him arrested, when you see him beaten, when you see him crucified, something would have been wrong with them if they didn't just, you know, weren't, weren't heartbroken. And yet Jesus gave them a command, let not your heart be troubled. I wish I had time to preach all of this to you. There's another verse over in here. Look in the 14th chapter. I'm going to come back, but look in John chapter 14 and in verse 28. You have heard that I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said I go unto the Father for my Father is greater than I. Now again, remember the context. He had already told them, I'm leaving. Where I go, you know, and the way you know. And he had told them, and they said, no, we don't know where you're going. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he had been explaining all this to him. So now he comes back to it and he says, I've told you that I'm leaving and I'm going to the Father. If you loved me, you would rejoice. This is a radical statement. You need to put your spiritual seatbelt on. This will just rock some of you. But you know why they grieved, why they were afraid, why they ran? 
because they love themselves more than they love Jesus. If they love Jesus, even though they didn't understand the total plan of salvation and they didn't understand that he was going to die and rise from the dead, if anybody ever pleased the Father and if anybody ever walked with God, if anybody was ever going to go into the presence of God after death, it would have been Jesus. And if they loved him more than they loved themselves, they would have even rejoiced because he constantly was saying that, man, I love my father. I only do what I see my father do. He would, he would minister all day long and be totally tired. And yet he would spend all night long in prayer with his father. Man, Jesus loved his father. He longed to be with his father. And if they would have loved him more than they loved themselves, they would have actually found reason to rejoice at the crucifixion of Jesus before he was resurrected. Even if they didn't understand he was going to be raised from the dead, they would have said at least he's with his father and they could have rejoiced. And brothers and sisters, I'm saying this in love, but the reason that we are so distressed and so, so disheartened and depressed and all of these other things are because we love ourselves so much. If we loved God, you could actually get to a place where you're so excited about seeing him that man, if you die, awesome. And if you don't die, it's, you're going to be able to rub the devil's nose in this and give a testimony and so you're just, you're just pleased, whichever way it goes. You don't let your heart be troubled. You know, when your heart is troubled, again, I'm saying this in love, it's because we're operating in fear because we're so fearful about ourselves. We aren't understanding the love that God has for us. We don't understand the great things that he's got prepared for us. The apostle Paul, see, he was in a relationship with God where he says, I'm in a great strait between two choices. One is to go be with the father, which is far better for me. That's what I really want to do. But I know that I have to stay here for your benefit. He was ready to go. Man, when they came to Paul and said, if you don't quit preaching the gospel, we're going to kill you. He'd just reach up and kiss him on the forehead. <laughs> Say, Awesome. So they'd say, well, then we'll put you in jail. And he says, fine, I'll just praise God. And they have an earthquake and get everybody in the jail set. So they say, well, man, get out of here. So he says, okay. And he goes back to the marketplaces and preach the gospel. How do you intimidate a person that's not afraid to die? You know, when I was in Vietnam, it was right after I'd had this experience with the Lord, March the 23rd, 1968, I got drafted and June of 69 and by uh, January of 70, I was in Vietnam and I was just so in love with God that man, I was just having an awesome time. It, it, it's hard for me to explain. I was praying that God would kill me, but it wasn't because I was miserable and it wasn't because Vietnam was bad. It was because I was so in love with God. I just wanted to go be with Jesus so bad that I honestly was asking God to kill me. And I remember one time I was, I was a chaplain's assistant and we got sent out to a place. This place wasn't any bigger than this room right here. And in a two hour period of time, we took a hundred and something mortar hits inside of that perimeter. And you could see the muzzle fire from the Vietnamese coming up the hill. And it looked like we were going to be overrun. And a matter of fact, they were overrun. I was a chaplain's assistant and they got us out. They got the chaplain and me out right before the hill was overrun and nearly every person on that hill 
was killed. It was a life and death situation. And I remember what was going on. I had my M16 pointed down the hill. I never had to fire it because they were out of range, but I could see the muzzle fire from their weapons. And you know what I was doing? I was just praying and saying, oh, Jesus, I could be with you before the night is up. <laughs> I was so excited. I was just thinking, this is awesome. <laughs> awesome. And I was just so happy. I was thinking, oh, thank you, Father. And I was so blessed. And then I got to thinking about the Vietnamese that I had my gun pointed at. And I started saying, but God, they don't know you. And I was interceding and praying for these guys that I was about to shoot. And I just had love flowing through me and I was so excited. And I know some of you think I'm weird. Well, I think you're weird. <laughs> Paul says for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I'm in a straight between two. You know, you can get to where you love God more than you love yourself. And it's not about you. And one of the benefits of this is that when you get that place, Satan can only use selfishness. Fear has no place if you don't love yourself so much. You know, in Roman, uh, Revelation chapter 12, I was just studying this this week, and it says that, you know, the dragon, the old serpent, the devil, was cast down to the earth, and he had great wrath because he knew that he had a short time. And the people, the believers on the earth, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and they love not their lives unto the death. Yeah, Did you know for you to overcome, you got to get to where you don't love your life so much. The reason some of you are just so heartbroken because you got a sickness and you could die is because you love yourself so much. You need to get over yourself. I don't know how to say this any differently. It's just, <laughs> you know what? If you had, if you were dead to yourself, you could take a corpse and put it here in front of us and you could spit on the corpse. You could kick the corpse. You could insult the corpse. You could ignore the corpse. And if it's a corpse, it won't respond. <laughs> you know why you respond? Why you are just so heartbroken? It's because you aren't dead to yourself. It's because you haven't cast your care over on the Lord. We have fallen under the spell of our society that is just all about self. Everything is about you. And we have adopted this and we are just out to promote self. And when self suffers, man, you just can't handle it. You know, I was just in Norway and uh, there was a man, Dennis Greenwich, and he's a pastor in London. I'd never met him before. And I was the main speaker. I think I spoke four times. Dennis spoke the first time and the last time. I'd never met this man before. He was an African-American pastor in London. And he got up and he says, I've never met Andrew. I've never heard his teaching. But as I prayed about this, God told me my assignment was to just prime the pump. I am here to get you opened up to what this man has to say. And he spent his whole hour telling people to expect, open up your heart. God is going to speak through this man. And I'd never meant Denny's, but you know what? I said, this man loves God more than he loves himself. I, in my 50 years, I have never had anybody 
get up and do something like that. And so, man, that drew me to him. And we got to visit with him and he's just an awesome guy. It was great. But did you know there's very few people that would put the kingdom of God above themselves? And because of that, that's the reason that when something happens to self, you just are hurt so badly and you can't get over it. I'm telling you, your emotions, if you ever let your emotions get out of control, it's hard to rein them back in. Matter of fact, I, are you still in John chapter 14? Look over here in James chapter one. Let me show you this. I'm going to come back maybe. In James chapter one, In verse 13, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin when it is finished brings forth death. This says that sin has to be conceived. Sin doesn't come upon you like a seizure. It has to be conceived. This is talking about birth. You know, I'm not going to teach on how a baby comes. Hopefully everybody here knows this. I'm going to take some things for granted. But babies aren't brought by the stork. You don't just get pregnant without having a physical relationship with a man. You have to be impregnated. You have to conceive a child. This says sin has to be conceived. And where is it conceived? In your lust. We use the word lust nearly exclusively to describe immoral sexual desire. But the word lust, if you look it up in the way it was used in the King James, matter of fact, over in Galatians chapter five, it says the spirit lust against the flesh and the flesh lust against the spirit. The spirit, the Holy Spirit does not have an immoral, ungodly sexual drive or desire. The word lust isn't used the way that we use it today. It's just talking about strong emotion. Sin is conceived in your emotions. There are people that do not want to sin. And yet they allow, in a sense, intercourse with the devil through their emotions. When you sit there and allow fear in, and I could name a dozen things right here, but going back to John chapter 14, verse one, when you let your heart be troubled, when sickness comes and you begin to panic and oh no, what am I gonna do? And you get fearful about all of these things. You have allowed Satan to plant a seed in your life that you don't want to come to fruition, but you indulge it. Most people allow their emotions just to go the full gamut and only after they've cried all they can cry, after they have worried all they can worry, they turn to the Lord, oh God, help me. By that time, you've got to have an abortion. You've already got this thing in process. It's in the birth canal and you're gonna have to have an abortion. And I tell you, that's not the way to deal with things. The way to do it is not to conceive it. If you can control your emotions, you can stop sin. And I'm not only talking about sin, but you can stop sickness from having a hold on you. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow as we continue bringing you highlights from Karis Bible College's 2018 Healing Is Here Conference. 
Welcome to the AWM Minute, a small glimpse on how your partnership with Andrew Womack Ministries and Karis Bible College is saving lives around the world. When Gina Boop fell into a stage five brain aneurysm, her husband Bud was told that she would not be walking out of the hospital alive. The neurologist comes in, he, he examines her and tells me 10% chance she survives that. Being a longtime follower of Andrew's teachings, Bud learned from the healing journey of Alan Moore how he had to keep all negativity from being spoken over his wife, even negativity from the doctors. I said, if you have anything else to say as far as Gina's concerned, say it outside the room because none of that's going to happen to her. She's been healed by Jesus Christ. And when you walk away from this, you're gonna go, holy cow, this is a miracle. Bud's persistence paid off, and today, Gina is indeed a walking miracle thanks to the teachings made available through our friends and partners. To see Gina's full healing journey, visit awmi.net today. We hope you were blessed by today's episode of The Gospel Truth. Andrew and Jamie wish to share their sincere gratitude for all the grace partners of Andrew Womack Ministries. Your generous partnership enables us to take the gospel, the nearly too good to be true news to the ends of the earth. May God richly bless you for your faithfulness. If you're not already partnering with Andrew Womack Ministries, we encourage you to join us in this great harvest today. I'd like to encourage you to get our Healing Is Here materials. We've got it in deep in CDs right here. We also have DVDs that were made at the conference, and we also have a USB here where you can get the entire conference on there. And I tell you, this was powerful. We saw lots of people healed. And the way that Daniel Amstutz and Carly Teradez ministered along with all of our other guests and Audrey Mack, it was just a powerful time. You won't want to miss it. Our healing is here either on CD, DVD, or USB. Today, you viewed a portion of the 2018 Healing is Here conference. This conference in its entirety is available on either a CD or DVD album or on a USB drive for a gift of $49 or more when you contact us. This valuable product includes 16 powerful teachings that will build your faith to receive your own healing and help you minister healing to others. Also available is the free God Wants You Well booklet. This booklet answers common questions about healing and includes a list of every time Jesus healed someone in the Bible. This valuable resource is available to you for a limited time, free of charge on our website at awmi.net. This offer is limited to one free booklet per household. You can order resources or become a Grace Partner through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download many free resources or call our helpline at 719-635-1111. If the lines are busy, remember, you can order ministry materials or become a Grace Partner 24 hours a day, seven days a week at awmi.net. If you'd like to write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. We'd like to point out Andrew's upcoming speaking schedule. Mark your calendars to come meet Andrew at one of these events and let the Word of God transform your life. In the month of February, he'll be in Orlando and Oakland, Florida, and Colorado Springs, Colorado. 
In March, he'll be at the Sanctuary in Woodland Park, Colorado for the annual Karis Bible College Men's Advance with special guests Tony Dungy, NFL Hall of Fame and Super Bowl winning coach, and James Brown, Emmy Award winning broadcaster on the CBS and NFL networks. Also at the Sanctuary in March, Andrew will be hosting the Army Conference for Ministers. And in April, Andrew will be back at the Sanctuary in Woodland Park for the annual Karis Bible College Campus Days and also to host the new musical, David, King of Jerusalem, a story of the faithfulness of God's grace in spite of struggle and tragedy. For more details on Andrew's next visit in your area, visit our website at awmi.net.